0: So the first thing that we're gonna talk about today is we're gonna go over some definitions involving NAFLD and also review a little bit about epidemiology. Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease ranges from simple steatosis all the way to the more active form of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, NASH. And this is really an overarching umbrella, if you will, NAFLD, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And it's an entire spectrum of fatty liver disease in individuals, and remember, without significant alcohol consumption. So these individuals don't have that history of heavy alcohol use. So NAFL, N-A-F-L, is non-alcoholic fatty liver. And this is really bland or isolated steatosis. The hepatocyte cell does have to have at least 5% or more of fat, but it's isolated fat in the liver. Then we move to NASH, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, which is the active form of disease characterized by steatosis, ballooning of that hepatocyte cell, and inflammation. And then further, we go into NASH with fibrosis. And this is broken down into stages. Mild fibrosis, involving stage one. Significant fibrosis, stages two and three. And then cirrhosis, which, of course, is stage four. This slide is just depicting the slide previous a little differently, looking at histologic subtypes of NASH. And we know it's the chronic liver injury that drives disease progression and fibrosis. NASH is the inflammatory subtype of NAFLD, which can progress to cirrhosis and the sequela therein, including hepatocellular carcinoma or even death. And as you look at the slide from left to right, you see where it goes from normal liver, fat accumulation leading to that steatosis. Then into the active form of NASH with steatosis lobular inflammation and that ballooning degeneration of the hepatocyte cell. And then, of course, finally histologically, NASH with fibrosis, broken down into their stages of 1 through 4, 4 being, of course, cirrhosis. And these arrows actually can go uh, bidirectional. You can have progression of disease and then some forms of regression. But majority of the time, NASH continues to progress. So it's well established that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is strongly associated with obesity and diabetes. These are growing burdens of disease. The worldwide prevalence of NAFLD is about 25%, but among patients with type 2 diabetes, anywhere from 55 to 60%, and then when you break it down further into those with obesity between 70 to 80%, and over 90% among our patients with morbid obesity. So this was a study that was published in Hepatology in 2018. And its aim was to develop a dynamic model of NAFLD to assess health burden of the disease at population level. Markov modeling was used to forecast NAFLD disease progression. And what they saw in this study was it demonstrated an exponentially increase in burden of disease. In fact, total US NAFLD population is projected to increase by 21% between the years of 2015 and 2030. And the total US NASH population projected to increase by 63% within these years. And if you look on the graph on the right, this is millions of of persons between the years of 2015 and 2030. And you can see on that far category, that far graph, that actually the fibrosis stages are also increasing. In fact, even doubling in some of the stages. So, with this growing burden of disease, NASH is an increasing indication for liver transplant in the United States. And these graphs are looking at the prevalence of the most common chronic liver diseases uh, that are waitlisted for liver transplant candidates, again, without hepatocellular carcinoma. So, you, if you look at the graph on the left, these are the ideologies of chronic liver disease. You actually see uh, some good news there with chronic hepatitis C uh, declining over time. But with alcoholic liver disease and with NASH, you see a steady increase over the years. And then looking at the graph on the right, this is the population or proportion uh, of increase from the 2002 level. You see a a steady increase in NASH, where the others are, are staying fairly low. And NASH is currently the leading cause of liver transplant waitlist weightless registration in females and the second leading cause overall. So we clearly recognize that this is a myth of, of a disease that we're going to be dealing with for years to come. So let's go into talking a little bit more about the pathophysiology of NASH. Energy excess and metabolic inflexibility can lead to hepatic steatosis. So what is metabolic flexibility? Well, metabolic flexibility requires the body to have the ability to adequately handle fuels and use appropriate substrates at appropriate times. Inability to maintain homeostatic control to handle fuel needs and appropriately use substrates tips that energy balance scale towards higher intake and storage, which ultimately leads to lipotoxic cell stress. And we can see in this diagram, it starts with that diet. There's our energy input, which equals the calories we're consuming. And that equals storage of energy in adipose tissues and other organs, including the liver. When we're not having a matching energy output or calories burned, we get this increase of storage of lipids in the liver, and we get this lipid spillover. So there's also a portion of a patient's lifestyle and their basal metabolic rate that does contribute as well. But with this lipid increase in the liver, this lipid spilling over, this is where we get that de novo lipogenesis and lipotoxicity within the liver. So looking further at the pathogenesis of NASH, obviously this is very complex, but it does involve this lipotoxicity. And there are various factors that induce chronic liver steatosis, leading to metabolic, oxidative, and endoplasmic reticulum stress or known as lipotoxicity. And some of these factors include genetic mutations, alter lipid homeostasis, insulin resistance. Lipotoxicity further leads to hepatocyte injury and apoptosis. And this necrotic cell injury of of the liver cells release signals, which recruit and activate repair-release cells, such as stellate cells. When these repair-related cells accumulate, they initiate a wound healing response. That's appropriate, right? But with that, there's a release of inflammatory cytokines, collagen deposition, vascular remodeling occurs, and we get an accumulation of immature biliary cells. So ultimately, NASH is the sum of injury and repair response triggered by lipotoxicity. So we recognize that thyroid hormone plays a very significant role in the liver. In fact, liver thyroid hormone signaling actually activates lipid metabolism and contributes to normal liver function. When liver injury occurs, this can induce impairment of intrahepatic thyroid hormone signaling, characterized by low conversion of T4 to T3 and high conversion of T4 to, in active form, reverse T3. Impaired hepatic thyroid hormone signaling can lead to further accumulation of lipotoxic species, fueling this vicious cycle of liver injury. We're going to move on now to talking about the natural history of the disease. Progression of NASH certainly can lead to cirrhosis and development of liver cancer. So approximately 25% of adults have NAFLD. From that 25%, another 25% will move on to the more active form of NASH, which again includes steatosis, inflammation, and that hepatocellular injury, with or without fibrosis. Then an additional 25% can move on to cirrhosis. And from that pocket of population, about one to 4% per year could advance to hepatocellular carcinoma. Now, it's important to point out that approximately 20% of NASH-related cancers of the liver are identified in patients that don't actually have cirrhosis. That's about a 10-year cumulative risk of HCC in 1.7 per 1,000 patients. So now we're going to talk a little bit about statistics involving morbidity and mortality. We recognize that fibrosis is strongly associated with morbidity and mortality, and fibrosis severity is increasingly important marker associated with NASH when it comes to morbidity and mortality. On the left, we see the risk of liver-related death is statistically higher after progression to fibrosis stage 2 or higher. And this is looking at mortality ratios according to their stage of fibrosis. And you can see, after stage one, two, three, and 4 are statistically significantly higher. And then on the right, among patients with NASH, those with cirrhosis are at greater risk for decompensation, hepatocellular carcinoma, or death compared with less advanced stages. And you can see the clinical outcomes according to the stages, including overall mortality or liver transplant, maybe the first occurrence to a major liver event, um, or hepatic decompensation. Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is associated with an increased rate of mortality. We have that well established. This was looking at a Swedish cohort of all NAFLD histologic stages, which were associated with significantly increased overall mortality. And this risk actually increased progressively with worsening histology. So you can look on the graph the cumulative events of NAFLD compared to the n- normal population in pink, and then on the right you see again c- the comparator of the normal population to those with NASH. You can see those numbers significantly increase with increasing stages from simple steatosis, NASH without fibrosis, or non-cirrhotic fibrosis, and then of course in the kind of the purple pink is cirrhosis. So cumulative incidence of all cause mortality according to the presence and histologic severity of NAFLD. And then this is a similar data set, but it's looking at a kind of an opposite graph because it's actually talking about survival or populations that are still alive. So fibrosis stage associated with an increased rate of mortality, and as we talked about, all NAFLD fibrosis stages were associated with significant increase overall of mortality, and that risk increased by progressively with worsening fibrosis stage. So you can kind of see that the normal population in stages one and two are hanging out there. But stage three with the dashed line, while they may be living longer than those with stage four, they do drop off and then the very Lowest line there is that of cirrhosis or advanced fibrosis. Certainly, uh, overall mortality significantly less. And this is a slide looking at the major causes of death in our patients with NAFLD. And this was a retrospective analysis of over 600 patients from the US, Europe, and Thailand diagnosed with NAFLD from 1975 through 2005. Patients underwent lab and biopsy analysis and were examined every three to 12 months after diagnosis. And outcomes were analyzed for overall mortality, liver transplant, and liver-related events. And you can see on the right the outcome uh, and the numbers therein, and really the, the lion's share, as we all recognize, this cardiovascular disease, followed by non-liver malignancy, non-liver cancers, and then cir- cirrhosis complications and the sequela therein from cirrhosis further on down.